a quote I frequently share with my students that I think certainly applies in my own educational pursuit is from John Maxwell. And it says, change is inevitable, growth is optional. You're listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing clarity to the often mysterious doctoral process. Do you feel like you're losing your mind? Let me and my guests show you how to put more joy in your journey and graduate with your sanity, health, and relationships intact. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Frederick, and this is episode 70. In this episode, I welcome nursing educator and current doctoral candidate, William Hall. William has been in healthcare for over 15 years and began his career as a certified nurse assistant. He holds an Associate of Applied Science, a Bachelor's of Science, and a Master's of Science, all in nursing, with a specialty in nursing education. Throughout his career, he has worked in various areas, including long-term care, psychiatric and mental health nursing, emergency medicine, and nursing leadership. William, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on because I have yet to interview a student who is pursuing a DNP. So I thought we would start by having you just explain to the audience, what is a DNP? Yeah, sure. A DNP is a doctorate of nursing practice. And so this is more of the clinical focused doctorate. So it differs in the PhD in that it's more clinical based rather than research based. And so though we do a project and the implementation of a project, we're not doing that necessarily unique research, but we're uniquely implementing a project to make that research a reality. And, you know, I have a history of being involved in Ph.D. programs and then their corresponding applied degree, like a Ph.D. in psychology, PsyD, a Ph.D. in business, DBA. But the DNP was new to me until recently. And so I'm so excited to have you share and have us discuss what are some of the maybe unique challenges or some of the lessons that you're bringing in from your healthcare background into a doctoral program? But where I would love to start is, why don't you walk us through your decision to pursue a terminal degree in nursing? What was your thought process? Yeah, so my initial driving factor is my master's is in nursing education. And so I knew that I wanted to go into education. Many education programs now, especially to promote growth in higher education, require a doctorate. So that was a big driving factor for me to start looking into programs. And once I started exploring, I decided on the DNP mainly because most of my background, I do have leadership background, but i am been very strong clinically. And so I wanted a clinical focused doctorate degree because that seemed like it would interest me more than, than sitting behind the scenes doing the research. And it's so important when students are considering a program to do the kind of homework that you did and really ask, is this the right program for me? Because if you get in one that's difficult to maintain your motivation, there are a lot of challenges when it comes to completing the program. So you decided, okay, the one that's more clinically focused would be a better fit for you. And how did you go about selecting the program that you decided to pursue? 
Yeah, so I looked at a lot of different factors when I started looking at programs. I requested information from tons of locations. I looked at cost, obviously. That's always a big factor when you're going back to school, especially when you're on a teacher's budget. Also, I looked at a success story. So I actually went in because it wasn't just about the cost for me. I wasn't even so worried about like regional accreditation. I wanted to make sure it was accredited through a nursing accreditation. But with a terminal degree, my bigger concern is, is what are people saying about it? What, what's the success rate behind the program? Is there support? Because going into this, I was terrified. Of course, I've never pursued a doctorate. Most people have it. Not knowing what to expect and seeing that the school that I was going to choose had a lot of support available for the student to help get us through. So you brought up two really important things. The first is accreditation, and that is a topic that is well beyond one podcast episode. What is it? What does it mean? How does it impact different fields? But you knew you had done your homework and you knew what was important for you in your field was that it had a specific nursing accreditation. Yes. And I just want to say out there to the listeners, if you're considering a program, you want to do your homework and know, is this program a logical step on the path to where I want to be? And accreditation can play into that decision in different ways. So kudos for doing your homework, William. Not everyone does that. Now, secondly, you talked about support. We know that one of the contributing factors to a student finishing a doctoral program is support. So I'm curious, did you just take at face value what was posted on different universities' websites, or did you actually ask to talk to people? Yeah, so I wish I could say I just took it at face value, but I did not. And I'm glad that I didn't because it caused me to take a deeper dive. I actually asked to contact individuals. And actually, I did some Facebook searches just to find out who was going to school where I was looking. And I actually reached out to just random people to say, hey, I see you're enrolled in so-and-so. I'm thinking about pursuing my DMV. What's your experience been? And so I actually kind of took the initiative to, to reach out to people, which looking back may have seemed a little odd to them at the time, but it definitely gave me some insight. <laughs> And whenever I hear students share those stories, I'm always interested because we know not everyone finishes a doctoral program. We know there are a lot of challenges inherent. So I, I usually say to people, definitely get referrals, but take them with a grain of salt because you never know when you're, when you're contacting that person, they may have just gotten their proposal back full of red marks and they're feeling really deflated. So how many people did you talk to and was there a range in what you heard? As far as the exactly how many I talked to, I, I don't remember. I sent a lot of messages just really trying to solicit information. The three that stood out to me most were obviously with the school that I chose. And it was just such positive feedback. And it seemed like they didn't just tell me, oh, it's a good experience. But they said, it's a good experience. And your faculty mentor will support you. And you pick committee members that are also on faculty and you'll have an independent member. And, you know, they were able to outline the process. And it just seemed to me like they had a whole lot more information than when I got it from some people, which was just, hey, it's okay. Or 
uh, it, you know, I, I dropped out or uh, I decided it wasn't for me. Ultimately, some of those higher regards led me to choose Aspen University as my choice. And, you know, in today's world with social media, it's not difficult at all to send a message to someone on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook like you did. LinkedIn is also a really good resource. So I just want to encourage, again, students out there, prospective students, take that extra step because William did and you ended up at Aspen University. You're very happy there. You are at the point where you're getting ready to implement your project. So you're well into the program. You didn't just start. And I'm wondering if you would share some of your experiences kind of looking back. What do you wish you had known that you now know? Or could someone have told you something that would have helped you kind of traverse the doctoral waters a little bit better? Yeah, I think that's a great question because like I said, going in, I had a lot of anxiety about what I was getting into, right? Because it was a completely new experience for me. Once I got in, the coursework was relatively simple, I thought, in comparison to once I started the project. And so I think that's where I would have really liked somebody to have said, once you get into this project, it's really going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of thought energy you're really going to need to network and make connections and you know it's a lot to make this come to fruition and not that i didn't know there would be work involved but i think i definitely grossly underestimated the amount of involvement it would take to successfully carry out the project a lot of people will relate it to having a baby you know you can prepare all you want and people can say it's going to be a lot of work But for the parents out there who are listening, you know, it's not until that baby comes that you really understand the task at hand. And a dissertation or a doctoral project is similar where students will say, I can do a course. I can show up. I can listen to a seminar. I can write reasonably sized papers, right? Eight to 12 pages, no problem. I can discuss things. I can read things. But then there's a shift. You get to this part in the program where it's highly individual. You're really kind of working on this alone, of course, with the help of your committee. But there's no, oh, this paper is due in two weeks. It's like this really long, big, huge project, like nothing you've ever done before. And this point you bring up about a noticeable shift between the coursework and then working on your doctoral project or your dissertation, this is such an important point. There is an entire episode on this with Dr. Todd Fiore, and I'll link that in the show notes below. But let me ask you this. How was it that you picked your topic for your DNP project? Yeah, so my topic was relatively simple for me to pick. I spent a lot of my nursing career in dementia care and psychiatric mental health. And so for my master's thesis, I had looked at the use of non-pharmacologic methods to help in dementia care. And so I kind of just took a a little bit deeper dive, made it a little more specific to end up with my topic for my DNP to explore a specific intervention of multisensory stimulation in the effect of anxiety for dementia. And even though you had all your T's crossed and your I's dotted, And you submitted to the IRB, there were no problems. 
you had an unforeseen challenge. And this often happens at this stage. There's so many different ways that these unknown things can present. You want to share what happened for you? Yeah, sure. I would love to because my momentum was great and I was pushing right along and, and feeling great. And, and suddenly the facility where I was implementing my project due to the pandemic uh, had such high COVID numbers that affected their staffing. We weren't able to implement the project. They just didn't have the ability to do so. And so it, it halted me. It was a hard stop almost immediately. I mean, I was ready to go and start doing education that week. It, it was a hard stop. And I think the key to surviving that type of a occurrence is to have that relationship with your committee members, your faculty mentor, because instantly, first thing I did was picked up my phone and called my faculty mentor and said, I've got a problem and I don't know what to do to fix it. And so we started exploring what are our options? What other ways can we implement the project that's going to not require us to be as involved in the facility? We were able to reach a solution, and now I'm back on track and just got my second IRB approval. <laughs> William, as you were talking, I was thinking, not coming from a healthcare background myself, one of the things that we know is a predictor of success in a doctoral program is a student's ability to be resilient. And so I'm thinking here, kind of connecting the dots, being a nurse that's probably one of the characteristics that you would use to describe yourself. Is that true? Yes, I would agree. And I think nursing as a profession has to be resilient because you never know what's coming through that door. And we're always taking something that we may not have frequent exposure to and, and jumping in and it's all hands on deck and we try to solve those problems for our patients. And so I think resiliency and change is, is just part of the definition of a nurse. And probably grit too, huh? Yes, definitely. <laughs> so if you had a group of nurses in front of you right now who were maybe considering, do I want to go on to get a terminal degree? A DMP is one of the choices. What types of advice would you give them in terms of things that they should think about? Yeah, so I think when you start to look at pursuing a terminal degree, or any type of education, one of the first things you need to look at is your support system. I think my support system at home was huge. My wife was willing to pick up the slack and, and do some of the things that I frequently did because of me being in school. So I think that that's very important. And then, like I've talked about before, doing your research, knowing the program that you're applying to, what are your options, looking into how you can potentially be successful in that program because different programs are laid out differently. And so you have to weigh all those different factors to find what's right for you. You mentioned a supportive wife who was willing to kind of pick up the slack because sometimes I think students don't understand the sheer amount of hours that you will spend in a program. So did you guys sit down and have a conversation? Hey, I'm going to be spending X number of hours. And did you chart it out and kind of figure out how will I make this practically work in my life? Yeah. So, of course, I work full time. I'm a full time nursing instructor and then going to school full time. And so when my wife and I sat down, we definitely had a conversation about this, this how much time it's going to require. And then I live off of a calendar. I tell people that that's truly the, 
the best way for me to keep everything organized. I plan out specific amounts of time to dedicate to school, to work, to family, to keep that balance there. But um, if I didn't have some type of a schedule, it would definitely overwhelm me. So are there certain times of the day that you're working on your doctoral project now? Like, Do you have that blocked in your calendar? Yes. I try to keep specific times for everything uh, because it helps me balance it. You know, it's so easy to get overwhelmed with school or work or family. And and so as, as wild as it sounds, I, I rely on my calendar for a lot. <laughs> Which is a huge practical tip. I think people take for granted the importance of actually blocking time. I know that if I'm ever working with a student that seems to be stalled, I'll ask, can I see your calendar? And often there isn't one. And I go, okay, <laughs> let's start there. Now you brought up this word balance. So I got to ask, are you keeping yourself mentally and physically healthy balancing in other activities as well? Yeah, I certainly try. Now, obviously, there's times when you, you're going to feel overwhelmed regardless. But I do try to schedule in times just for family things. And so my family and I... um we will frequently do things with our kids, their homeschooled. So we'll schedule in activities for those types of things. Or uh, we, you know, we always make time for church. My kids enjoy doing that, and we enjoy that as a family. And and so we try to find things that all of us enjoy. And again, get it on my calendar, <laughs> but but make time for it. There'll be time for being spontaneous later, right, William? Exactly. <laughs> for now, the calendar is really working for you. Yes, it is. So any final words of wisdom or maybe a quote that you would like to share for either students that are out there kind of feeling like they need some inspiration or people wondering if this might be something they want to pursue? Yeah, definitely. A quote I frequently share with my students that I think certainly applies in my own educational pursuit is from John Maxwell. And it says, change is inevitable, growth is optional. And I think that in anything that we do, especially as nurses, change is going to happen. But whether we choose to take that change and run with it and embrace it and grow from it is on us. And so I think that your mindset and your approach is a huge factor in your success. And, you know, that is such an important point because time after time after time, I will have faculty on that will say the doctoral process is a transformative process. And sometimes when people are resisting that growth, you can't help but grow. It, it, has that been your experience that you've grown as a person by being in this process? Oh, yes, definitely. You find things grow you both personally and professionally throughout this process, I think. There's aspects that have really made me take a deeper dive into things and really look at, at how I do things sometimes. So going in it with that mindset of there's going to be change, look at it as growth, embrace it, and keep putting one foot in front of the other with a well-developed calendar. Yes, that is also important. <laughs> well, William, thank you so much for sharing your experience with the listeners today. It was a pleasure to chat with you. No, thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. Until then, I'm wishing you more joy in your journey.
The Happy Doc Student Podcast is brought to you by expandyourhappy.com, and you can learn more there. Hey, one more thing. Just a quick reminder that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.